I'm speaking, the podcast contains adult content. Welcome to As Speaking. Uh, things are a little different this week. Uh, Tiffany was unexpectedly unavailable. And so the show must go on. I am joined by my best friend on earth, Stein. How's it going out there, guys? So we're going to go over, obviously, the NFL Conference Championships that took place this week. And we're going to talk maybe a little NBA. We'll see if we have time. And then we're going to talk about Roadhouse, uh, one of the greatest American films ever made. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to argue that point, but I mean, we'll get into that later. <laughs> that, that will be dissected. Throats, throats will be ripped. And ears will probably bleed after you get done listening to how awesome this movie is. It's one of the greatest films that's ever been made. And it's awful. And it's wonderful. Um, for everybody that doesn't stick around for the whole podcast, next week's movie is going to be Alien, the 1979 Ridley Scott horror sci-fi masterpiece. It's currently streaming on HBO Max under the Turner Classic Movies hub. Such a great film. I'm looking forward to that one already. One of my favorite movies ever. And that, and that one... And Tiffany con- should be back for that one. And I will consider that one a film, not a movie. That is a yeah. film. Yeah, we're going to talk about a movie later on this podcast. <laughs> so, today we're going to go over Bucks Packers, Bills Chiefs, and we're going to do a skinny preview of the, spoiler alert, Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't know that, you were probably like me, too busy working at a sports bar to even pay attention to how the game actually fucking went. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as the NBA, we got a little bit of a uh, little bit of content to go over there. We'll see how long we go on NFL. All right, so we're gonna lead off with Buccaneers Packers. Uh, Bucks take this one, thirty-one to twenty-six. Um. The Bucks had a huge lead. They were up twenty-one to ten at the half, and then they scored again, and went up twenty-eight to ten. And then the the Packers put on a pretty furious comeback attempt. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can never be counted out. Uh, he I'm, he can't. And one of the things I hate about Aaron Rodgers as a Bears fan, just disclaimer out there, is the fact of the matter is that we have to face him every year. Two at times. least twice, at least twice, sometimes three if we're lucky enough to make a playoff berth. But the fact of the matter that you can go up 24 on Aaron Rodgers and there can be 10 minutes left to play and he's still not out of the game. Never. He, he's never out you, of the game. And you have better not be done scoring if you're playing against him. Yeah, no. I You've got to keep putting points up. And not to like, you know, I know we're talking about the Bucks green Bay game. But if you if you rewind back to the past and you look how Matt Nagy took his foot off the gas when we should have beat him in the opening Sunday night yep. game, and it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna play it safe and run the ball. You can never play it safe against Aaron Rodgers. It just Ever. doesn't work that way. He's Michael Myers of the NFL. Yeah, he, when you he, think you've killed him, he's still alive. Yeah. 
That's why there's so many Halloween movies. <laughs> yeah. So Rogers drops back to pass 53 times. He took five sacks. The green, uh, the Tampa Bay defense really did something special in this game. They got two two turnovers, one pick from Rogers and a fumble from one of the running backs. Rogers goes 33 of 48 on his pass attempts, 346 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. The five sacks really that and the five sacks all seem to come after Tom Brady's three picks in the second half. Which I really thought, which was one of the actual parts that I got to kind of watch of the game, was that second half when I was everything was starting to slow down at work, so I was able to start paying attention again. And Brady threw, I think it was his third pick he threw, and I was like, there's no way that Tom Brady is going to lose a game with three interceptions. Like, he doesn't do that. Like, he gets... Tom Brady will get into his own headspace and be like, there's no fucking way that I personally am going to lose this game. And that's how he thought, and that's how they held on to it. So as this game got towards the nitty-gritty, towards the end... When you talk about the elephant in the room? We're going to have to talk about the elephant in the room. Towards the end, Packers get down to the goal line. They're down by eight. Aaron Rodgers had a clear path. They're at the 8-yard line. Aaron Rodgers, a third and goal from the 8, he had a clear path to run. And he might not have gotten all the way to the end zone, but he would have gotten to at least probably the 4. He'd have cut the distance in half, I think, if he'd have made the run for it. I mean, he's not, obviously, he's not known for being the... He used to be a good scambler when he right. was younger, but he's 37 yeah. now. Right. And he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not yeah, going to break not it at all. But he, he still has legs. and He, he could have gotten to the four. He has the ability to And there's to move. no way that Matt LaFleur doesn't go for it from the four. No, not at all. But then He what, goes for it. But fourth and goal from the eight, three timeouts, and it's 2.05, which means that you have a fourth timeout from the two-minute two morning. Two-minute morning. I still think he made the wrong call, but I don't think it's indefensible. No, because I Because mean, at fourth and goal from the eight, remember, you got to get a play that can get you eight, but it can't get you 20. Right. You get you get 20 out of this play, and you threw out the back of the end zone, and now you just gave Tom Brady back the ball, and you didn't get any points. Anything, yeah. So it, this was one of those situations where something is better than nothing. It so Rodgers was really mad about this play call. I don't blame him, but I also think that he and his coach were clearly not on the same page. Well, in no. any event, though, I still think Lafleur should have gone for it because he knew that Tom Brady wasn't likely to give him back the ball. Well, to make a reference, uh, the replacements with Keanu Reeves and you know Gene Hackman. When Gene Hackman tells Keanu Reeves, he's like, winners always want the ball. That's not... Aaron Rodgers... I want the ball. Winners always do. did not make that effort to get to the fucking end zone. Like, if he would have made that effort, and I think if LaFleur would have seen, like, holy shit, like, all right, Aaron Rodgers really is trying to score here. I'm going to give him that chance. I think when he threw it away, he's like, we got to take the three. Because obviously Rodgers isn't in the mindset to go after the fucking win. I don't think you're wrong. But I'd like to call back to the last play of the first half. Tampa has the ball. It's fourth down. 
and they're at like their own 40, or they're at the Packers 40. They send the punt team out. There's only a few seconds left. Brady obviously went up to Arians and said, yo, dude, let me go get this. Mm-hmm. So they put the offense back on the field. Brady throws a bomb to Scotty Miller. Which was dope as hell. Dope as fuck. (laughs) So here's the point I want to make. Both of these coaches went into this game with legit, legendary, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. One of these coaches made the choice to bet on his guy, and the other coach didn't. Mm -hmm. And the coach that made the choice to bet on his guy... Won we'll be coaching in the Super Bowl. Yep, and the, the other one will be watching it on television from his couch. And you know uh, what? And that's instructive. And when, when Tom Brady dropped that ball down the seam, it was like Tom Brady doing Tom Brady shit. That was... And this wasn't he, Tom Brady's it, best game of his career. Oh, by the no three, means. The three no. second half picks were... They weren't all bad picks. The team was... Trying to keep their foot on the gas pedal, and the Packers didn't score after a single Green, one of those. In Green Bay's defense on that, though, after you get bitch slapped like that going into the locker room, is your secondary you not going to come, come back, back out going, yeah. fuck this You better dude. come storming like, yeah. back. Yeah, you're not going to let him just totally come into your house, raid your fridge, and yeah. then be like, oh no, take whatever you want. That's not going to happen. Like, yeah. There's I, no way that's Oh, it's my happen. last beer? Go ahead yeah, and yeah, have no, it. No, that's all you. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what's going to happen. So they came out. You have to give it to the Packers secondary in the second half, the way that they came out. We're like, Tom Brady is not going to do that easy shit that we let him do at the end. You could tell that they were like, oh, two seconds, whatever. Yeah, we're just going to yeah. play it safe. And Brady was like, play it safe on me. You're going to pay for it with six. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, Tom Brady made it clear what's going to happen if you play it safe. Yeah, they had that holy shit Matt Ryan Atlanta fucking moment. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> and the Packers nearly got their way back into this. They and they they know, came so close. I mean, this was a five-point game. Uh, I'm not going to say that the coach totally lost the game for them. I do think, though... That would be unfair. When you have a, a legendary at quarterback... Sometimes you just gotta know when to bet on your guy, and also when to not bet against the other guy. Yeah, the idea that Tom Brady was giving them back the ball was no, <laughs> no, no. Nope. Tom nope. Brady was never going to not finish that possession and let the clock run out. Tom Brady had no interest in trying to get another touchdown. Tom Brady's job was to get first downs until he could kneel. And I love how Tom Brady is like now like Mike Jones. Like you can't say Tom or Brady. It's Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. <laughs> it's Tom yeah. Brady. He's not even touchdown yeah. Tommy anymore. Yeah. No. It's Tom Brady. Like Mike Jones. Like you you say the whole it's like a tribe called quest. You say the whole thing. Like, so here we go. Tom Brady is headed to his tenth Super Bowl. God. Which is ridiculous. Further extending his own record, I don't have right in front of me how what NFL player we're not even talking quarterbacks at this point we're talking players who've been to nearly as many Super Bowls and there's there's not any like nobody's gone to 10 Super Bowls yeah I mean it's it's ridiculous when you look at like what Tom Brady's accomplished like I mean he's just literally I mean he's he's 42 years old 43 is he 43 he's 43 
And, and he had probably his second best season this year. Yeah. He's got 219. 219 regular season wins. As a starting quarterback. He's got 17 divisional titles. And 30 playoff wins. 30 playoff wins. It's before this. It's 33 now. 33 now. now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, 33 now. Like, But I'm saying going into this so the, playoff. You know who the next like, most is in playoff wins? Mm-mm. It's Joe Montana. Ah, my Notre Damer. With 16. Tom Brady has a full NFL season plus a game. More wins than the next guy on the list. And Joe Montana is a boss. Like, oh my God. Guess who Tom Brady grew up idolizing? Oh, what? Joe Montana. Yeah. He grew up in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. He He's more than doubled. That is Brady's insane. like put every NFL like quarterback record pretty much out of sight. That's just so nuts. The only record he doesn't have right now is career passing yards. Breeze has that. Breeze is likely to announce his retirement in the next few weeks. Brady is going to keep playing. Yeah. And he will he's only like Do you think a he'll thousand keep, do you think Brady will keep Breeze. playing if he loses the Super Bowl? There is no world in which Brady doesn't keep playing, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Guess who's on the Bucks schedule next year? The Patriots? Yeah. All right. There's no world. Where he doesn't stick around to yeah. stick it to Belichick? Yeah, there's no All way right. that Brady doesn't play that. He will absolutely put his body through a whole one more year of NFL football just for that. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I mean, I and, that's, and that game's going to be on primetime. Well, that's a Sunday night football extravaganza. Well, and that's a crazy one here too that I just saw like 2838 passing yards in Super Bowls alone. That's just Super Bowl passing yards. <laughs> that's not that's like people do in a season. He's played so many fucking Super Bowls that he can have a stat that somebody has in 16 games just from playing in the one big game. Yeah. Like that's crazy. That is absolutely fucking nuts. So I was reading an article this week on The Ringer by Danny Heifetz. So Tom Brady, 86 the rookie season that he didn't play. 86 the 2008 season where he tore his ACL and, and uh, Jimmy G, missed the whole right? season. Yeah, uh, no, no, that was Matt Castle. Castle play? Oh, okay. Yeah. So he had 19 seasons as a full-time starter in the NFL. He's been to 10 Super Bowls. Which I believe is a 52.7% was what it said in the which article. Which is more than half of his career. Michael Jordan, in his career, shot 49.6 or something like that from the floor. Michael Jordan was less likely to make a shot than Tom Brady is to go to the Super Bowl at the start of the season. That's insane to think about. Like, so, you're talking about the greatest of all-time NBA player who just hits magic from the floor is more likely to miss a shot on the hoop than, than Tom, Tom Brady, Brady is, is to take, to a, make, team to the Super to take Bowl. a team, no matter what that roster is, to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, all the So, let's also man. look at, if we want to do the Brady versus Belichick thing, let's do it. So, okay. first, uh, first and most instructive thing. The 2007 Patriots, which was Tom Brady's best season. He threw for 4,800 yards, 50 touchdowns. He got Randy Moss 23 touchdown receptions. 
Tom Brady tore his ACL at the start of the next season. The team went 11 and 5. Everybody saw, oh, wow, Belichick took that team to 11 and 5 without Brady. But here's the thing the team went 16 and 0 with Brady, 11 and 5 without. Right. That's a. And Tom that's, Brady that, was worth five wins. And that's with a hardcore receiving core. Yeah. Like, yeah, the best receivers that he, he had pretty much the entire yeah. time in New England. Like, so, last season, with the dog shit receiving squad that New England has, Tom Brady went 11-5. and five. Cam Newton, who is a very good NFL quarterback who's won an MVP trophy. Yeah, still your words, not mine. <laughs> He's won an MVP in this league. He has. He went seven and nine after a team that Tom Brady took to eleven and five. Tom Brady took over a team that went seven and nine last year and took them to eleven and five and now the Super Bowl. I mean you can't the numbers don't lie. So it's so weird in football because it's only a 16-game season. But the, if this was a basketball or hockey player, that's a 20-game improvement. Yeah. If this is a baseball player, that's a 40-game improvement. improvement. Yeah. Like, no, it's not all Tom Brady. Yeah. But Tom Brady being on that roster makes everybody on that roster play with a lot more confidence. The defense knows that they can make a big gamble and fuck it up knowing that they've got Tom Brady... Alright, so, on, like, to stop the, the dick ride parade here, like, to put the flip side on the sad sandwich is that Aaron Rodgers, great, great quarterback, legendary quarterback, only Perhaps has the... only only has one ring and cannot get to his second ring, and he's had receiving cores, he's had solid offensive lines, he's had decent running backs, but he's always had to, like, be the core group of everything that Green Bay needed to get and he's done. He's never just had the whole thing all at once. It's never been a full package for him. So you got this look is at his that first a- NFC Championship game played at home. at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the goat went and got him. Well, and see, a lot of that too was like I I read an article I forget who it was by where he talked about the warm weather. Well, like I was saying, like you know, it's. Uh, like Aaron Rodgers was having a great career or a great season. He was having one of the best seasons he had. And everything that was talked about um, in the article, well, that was brought up in the article that I read by Eric Lambert, um, Sports Mockery, uh, was like, oh, you know, the warm weather Buccaneers coming to Lambeau. It's his turn to win one at home. And it was like, yes, Aaron Rodgers has a chance. But what wasn't talked about at all that during that whole time was like, yeah, the warm weather Buccaneers. With Tom Brady, who played his entire career in Foxborough, which and is Rob not Gronkowski, more, yeah, with, with Gronkowski, hey. who's not warm weather yeah. players, like, and he wasn't there. But Antonio Brown, like, <laughs> they have a lot of guys on that team who played a lot of games in Colts. So, Chris I mean, Godwin, yeah, went so, to Penn so State. Aaron didn't exactly have the advantage that you would think going into Lambeau that he would normally have, you know, for sure. So I mean, he was already dealt, you know. A rough deal of cards. It's like you know, it's not going to be as easy as if we're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in a regular. Or the New Orleans game. Saints. Yeah. If Even, if Drew Brees had gone up to Lambeau, yeah. I don't think he steals that game. Yeah, being a dome, uh, being a dome team playing an outdoor game in Green Bay, like there's yeah, yeah there's 
that is when it's a factor. But when you have two studs on a Southern team, quote unquote, that have played in the North their entire career, Lambo isn't going to be that big of a factor. So especially thought, without the eighty thousand fans. Yeah. So I thought they were given a lot more credit to like how winning at home was going to be way easier for Rodgers than it actually ended up being. I agree completely. I was saying this last week on the pod. I think that if any team was going to beat Green Bay at Green Bay in the whole NFC playoff bracket, it was Tampa. And Well, and I think that that's... They did. And I think that that's kind of what led to Rodgers' reaction after the game. When he was interviewed, and he asked. was obviously hurt. Yeah, which I get. Personally, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'm a Bears fan. I covered that right off the rip, so people didn't think. Like, I think he's. A smoke. I'm not a Tom Brady dick writer. I'm just an Aaron Rodgers. I just hater. think Aaron Rodgers is a <laughs> he's a smug prick, and he has that. That's why in in the fucking interview after the game, like most of it was. Well, you know, we did what we, did, we could do, and you know, we went out there, we played the game that we could play, and it just didn't really work our way. Very routine bullshit answers. You but know? then it gets towards the end, and they ask about the fourth down call, and he goes, well, that wasn't my call. That call was already made. What did he say? That call was already made, or something like that. And then he said, a lot of guys' futures are up in the air, myself included. Yeah. A lot of guys' futures are uncertain, myself included. Thank mm-hmm. you. Here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers' future is not uncertain. He's under contract for three more seasons at a really untradeable number. He is going to be a Green Bay Packer for the at least next season, if not two more seasons. Well, and then when seasons. asked about that, he said, and a quote, I don't know. I really don't know. A lot of unknowns going into this offseason now. I'm going to have to take some time away for sure and clear my head and see what's going on with everything, but it's pretty tough right now. Which, coming off of a loss like that, you can understand that. He gets but more into his feelings yeah. than some of the guys. Like, Brady, after he loses, he's just all about next year. Yep. Like, he, he he forgets that the game even just happened. But, you know, it's not... Roethlisberger and Rodgers are the two that really compare well to one another. Because Roethlisberger, every time he loses a tough game in the regular season, just asks if he even But still it's has also it. not to say that he can't be that way, especially judging with how this whole season started with them trading up to get Jordan Love. I agree completely. But Jordan Love didn't even make it to the backup spot the whole season. Jordan Love... Pretty much just played Candy Crush on the sideline the yeah. whole year. But I think the house as a whole shows a sentiment when you're going to trade up in a draft to get a quarterback. That's kind of throwing... That's There's not, issues. That's not me saying, hey, Aaron, we're getting rid of you, but that's saying we're planning for you to be gone soon. And if that's what you're going to put into his head and you're going to have the kick-ass season that you had and then lose... The big game to get to the big show. There that's going to make you think in the back of your head, fuck, am I fired? There are like, big you know? issues in this small town in Wisconsin. Big issues. Uh, if you're Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's wrong to wonder about his future. I also think he probably should have kept his fucking mouth shut. Well, and it's also one of these situations that won't take place on any other team in the league because there's not one owner. Yeah, of yeah. the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Green there's Bay no Packers like... is owned by Green Bay. Like it's owned by the fans. 
So it's, it's, they say that, but you don't own anything if you can't sell it. <laughs> I guess you're not wrong. Fuck Green Bay. <laughs> we love you, Rash. Oh, yeah, shout out to our boy. You're not going to listen to this until like three weeks from now, so fuck you. But, <laughs> if you don't, if you can't I wouldn't sell either. It, if I was a Green Bay fan, I wouldn't listen to this podcast right now either. <laughs> if you can't sell it, you don't own it. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. But there's also, because of the bylaws and shit, there's ways that they can't make, they can make decisions that can be overturned by their owners. They can go ahead and say, we're going to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, and if there's enough people on that fucking shareholders meeting that says, no, you're not, they can extend his contract without it being overrided by the GM. God, it can be done. Like a, that it sounds can, like a QAnon thing. It can, no. <laughs> it, it, I'm saying it can be done, but that's the only team in the league that could ever even attempt to do something like that. And that's why this situation is super precocious, because you have no idea what the fuck could happen and it all starts with Aaron Rodgers just throwing the the doubt out there. Like he could have come out and been like, you know what? We had a great year. I'm looking forward to having a great year next year. Next year we're gonna make it all the way. And he could have just been stoic like that. But to come out and be like, well, I don't know. My, my I guess I, my future's uncertain, and I everybody could be uncertain. We don't. It was know the what's last thing that the Green Bay Packers needed, and there was no reason for it. Absolutely no reason. And here's for the thing: it. take your fucking lumps. If Rodgers was to request a trade, he's not even the most desirable quarterback right now because Deshaun Watson has made it very clear that he has played his last snap for the Houston. I don't Houston know, man. Texas. As much as we just hated, I, 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 I love Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is 37, and Deshaun Watson is much yeah, but younger you're, than if 37. you're a team that could throw out a, a two-year deal for X amount of money rather than a six-year deal... You take deal, Deshaun Watson, man. He's I, so good. Well, you tell that to the Bears when they traded up in the draft to get <laughs> To Mitchell not get Trubisky. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> because... <laughs> I was sure you guys were going to take Watson there. Yeah. There was no, a, you took the guy that started one year at North yeah, Carolina and yeah. was... Pretty okay there. There's, yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of things that should have happened to Deshaun Watson <laughs> that hasn't happened to Deshaun Watson. That's all I'm saying. So I mean, that's not that's debatable. That's for another time. But anyway, I'm saying that if you're Aaron Rodgers and you do actually request a trade, you are number two on the market. Deshaun yeah. Watson's number one because he's young. He's got longevity. Yeah, yeah you could have him. If you trade for Deshaun Watson right now, you trade the whole farm, but you have a quarterback for the next 10 right. years. And if you're looking and you think that you have enough in the package to make the run next year, you go after Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I mean the that's, Colts, that's the other side of that. The like, Colts. Yeah. The Colts if are... If you've got a core enough group and you think, fuck, all we need is a quarterback that can actually play, you go after Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You don't go after Deshaun Watson. But if you believe that you want to develop a system, but if you believe that you want to win four Super Bowls in the next ten years, Deshaun yeah, Watson. If you're willing to develop, yeah. But if you're looking to get the ring next year, you take Aaron Rodgers. I would. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. I don't think we're disagreeing with one another. No, not at all. Not at all. The longevity play is in Deshaun Watson. All of this hurts Matthew Stafford, who's also available right now. Which, and is also a great quarterback. I think that he's been stifled and he's been injury prone, and just—I think he's gotten his ass whooped too much in Detroit to really be able to. I'd recover. love to see him get to New England. I'd love 
to see him in New England. He's also a guy who grew up in Dallas and who's played in a dome team. Yeah. I don't know how New England weather would treat him. But no, I like him in New England because of the cogs of the, the wheel and the, he fits the Belichick machine. Also, He's don't got forget all of the skill set. Uh, Matt Patricia, who was the head coach of the Detroit Lions, got fired, has just been rehired in New England, and they clearly didn't get along. Mind you, he's a defensive guy. I don't think that it would stop Belichick from yeah, bringing in Matt Stafford if he thinks he's the right guy. Or if he thinks he could check both their fucking mentalities and say, what the fuck are we here? Are we here to win? Are we here to yeah. bitch about shit? Are we here yeah. to fucking, you guys be a bitch? Or yeah. are we here to fucking win football games? So. so, what do you think is next for Green Bay? I mean, I think it's going to be another... If they keep Aaron Rodgers, they got to get another receiver, right? I mean, that's that's anybody in the NFC uh, North, honestly. Like, if anybody in the NFC North is going to win that division decisively, like the Packers really did this year, wide receiving is everything. I mean, like, Detroit, Chicago, like, like where is the wide receiving core? There is nobody. I mean, Detroit has, has probably the best wide receiving core in that, that division. And then between Galladay, Marvin Jones, and that leads back to the Stanford conversation. Like, I mean, right there, if you have the best in the TJ division, hockey stick. <laughs> hockey stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> All right. Yeah. <coughs> yep. <laughs> but if you, I mean, but I'm saying if you're looking at that. In the grand scheme of things, that whole division can crush it if somebody who can hold on to the ball, stay healthy, and run the right routes shows up on any fucking team. Like, there's, it's doable. For sure. It's totally a doable And this is a good win. wide receiver draft we got coming. We had a good one last year that the Packers just inexplicably chose to sit out. But we got another good wide receiver draft this year. So, I mean, so. I think that's really is going to be what makes the difference in the whole, in that whole division is who does what's smart and who does what greedy. Because Cap's going to come into a lot of shit too. And that's a whole nother can of fucking worms. Don't forget the cap is going to be flat after yep. this year. The uh, NFL's revenue was flat. Yeah, it's going to be that's going to be a whole nother monster to deal with. Yeah. All these te- the Saints are going to be fucked. The yeah. Saints have been kicking the can down the road for years cuz the cap's always gone up. It won't go up next year. Yeah, it's 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 going to be it might even go down, but if anything it's going to stay the same. That's going to be some Willie Beeman moments where you're going to be like, "Oh fuck, this dude's been a third string wide receiver this whole time." Right. And then he shows up cuz he actually gets to play with a quarterback that can throw. You're like, oh, fuck, this dude's actually really good. Right? So, you got anything left to say about Bucks Packers? I just, not really. I mean, I'm happy with the way it went down. I feel bad for how all those people in Lambeau, I'm, that's all bullshit. I don't feel bad for the fucking Packers at all. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I said, I'm a Bears fan. I can deal with this shit. You guys got there. We didn't get there. Go ahead and talk about that like you usually do. <laughs> Other than that. If I can get it, Tom Brady. So next we had uh, Bills at Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs win 38-24, to and this game 
was what happens when we get an unstoppable force that's up against an object that hopes to soon be immovable. Soon be. Not quite there yet. The bills are a work in progress and they have a really bright future. Um, they've got a quarterback who improved more in his third year than I think we've ever seen anybody improve at that position in their third year before. But he was up against who is the best quarterback in the world right now, and that's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's no denying that Patrick Mahomes has got the skills that nobody else has. Like Mahomes can just throw darts to anywhere on the field, and he can scramble, he can run. He, but he played keep, this game with turf toe. And, but to keep him human... He did get a concussion, and he did get laid the fuck out. <laughs> he did. And he still went for 325 this game. Yeah, so the kid's not superhuman. He's just a fucking stellar athlete. And he took or he took one sack for zero yards and didn't throw any picks. Don't know why it's called a sack if he didn't lose any yards. Ah. Uh. It was taken down a line of scrimmage, so no loss of yardage. Because it's still a sack if it was penetrated. Yeah. Huh. You want to go further into that penetration? Nope. I, <laughs> uh, I am not going to penetrate Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> but Mahomes, I like, I like, I like him a lot, and I think, you know. The way that he played and the way that he was able to scramble, like, and speaking of scrambling, Josh Allen scrambles great, but the way that he was able to just, like, get in and the way he sidearm shit and he he had the, the up-the-middle uh, Tony Romo call-out fucking fake to the outside, pitch up the center. Yeah. Like, the way that he's able to bring down the shoulder and then get it to the chest and pitch it right where it needs to go. Like, his arm control with the ball shows why he should have been a pitcher in the MLB. Like, that, that is what is not shocking to me that he could do it because he was going to be a pitcher for Major League Baseball. and that's Like his father. And that's something that he has done his entire life. To do that with an oblong, bigger ball like a football is fucking talent. That's not a skill as being able to throw a baseball that you've repeatedly over and over and over done. It's a talent to do it well. It's a talent to be able to do what you do with a baseball and convert it to a football. That's a talent. Like, For sure. That is absolutely a talent. That's like saying, oh, you know, I'm really good at kickball, but, you know, I can't hit a baseball. Like, those are two different skill sets, but he's able to take those two skill sets and make it one and be a great quarterback on the run to be able to deliver the ball in any way he needs to deliver it. I think that that's just an incredible talent. So, uh, as we look at this game, once again, Josh Allen led the Bills in rushing yards. He had seven carries for 88 yards. Uh, as far as what the Bills need to do next, it's very, very, very simple. They have to find a running back. That They went and got Stephon Diggs oh. this year, and that really opened up the passing game. But their running game... I cannot agree more. Not agree anymore you can't have your quarterback be the leading rusher every game even when he's as good a rusher as josh allen 
Josh Allen's a very good scrambler and rusher, but, but he's also an he's being asked to do too much. But he's also a thank you. He's also an excellent fucking pocket passer. You, you want him, him in, in the, the pocket, pocket, he hits daggers, man. Dude throws darts, like you said. Like, yeah. It's insane what he hits. We don't want him having to escape the pocket too often. Now, mind you, it's nice that he has that when everything breaks down, but they've got to get the running back that can be the right running back for this attack. Because then it leads to, and we had talked about this earlier, not on the broadcast, but um, I was talking about how Josh Allen has that confidence in the pocket where he's like, gonna hold on to it, gonna hold on to it. It's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh, I'm sacked. And it's he's like, gonna pick up a first down, most likely. And when and when he loses the ability to stay in the pocket and he's forced to run, like that's where you get like the really bad the the, the interception. Late in this like, game, you know, he took a twenty yard sack because he just kept going back. Because he's been running his ass off. First the off, last that's quarter. dumb, and you yeah. got to not do that. Yeah, get outside. You can't the ta- fucking take a sack there. Yeah. Get outside the tackle box, kid. Throw it away. But that comes with time. But it also comes with confidence in your teammates. Which and leads, what he needs is a running back to dump it off to. Which also leads to the breakdown in the Bills' offensive line this week, because they did not play like they played all season. The Bills' front line has been. Pretty solid for Josh Allen all season. That's what they have, got, that's what and, got them to where they're at now. And well, who dials? Uh, so the Chiefs' defensive coordinator is Steve Spagnuolo, and he so, yeah, dials yeah, up not the blitz to take any like credit nobody else. Yeah, not to take any credit off of the defense of the Chiefs. The defense came at him, smacked him in the mouth. Absolutely, I just didn't expect to see the Bills like let them by the way that they did. You know, and I know that they did everything that they yeah. could out there, and I'm not hating on the players. I'm not fucking armchair quarterback in here. I can't do what you do. I get that. But the idea that, like, I don't know. It's like when your parents are like, I'm not mad. I'm just, just disappointed. disappointed. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's kind of how I feel about the Buffalo Bills offensive line last week. So Yeah, they uh, they definitely could have given their boy a little... Uh... Little protection. I think that Buffalo has a bright future. Absolutely, I'll 110 percent agree with that. I think that they could shore up the line of touch, and it's time to find a running back that's the right running back. You know what? Bring me a Thurman Thomas, and let's do some fucking work. I think he's way too old. I'm saying a Thurman <laughs> Thomas like running back. If they, I'm telling you, if Josh Allen had like Jim Kelly had Thurman Thomas. This would have been a whole different game. Like it's. I think it's pretty clear that Devin Singletary's six carries for seventeen yards is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. No, especially not in a playoff. Caliber. We're going to have to do better. Uh, they're going to be right at the right spot in the draft to get Travis Etienne. Oh man, that that could be sick. Would be fucking sick, right? And I think that would be a good fit for him, too, because he knows that he's going to get touches. He's going to get touches. He's a guy who can catch the ball. And he's been. And he can get between the tackles healthy. carries. He can get outside the tackles carries. Like, this is. I and think that's the guy that they healthy. need to target. And if they need to trade up a spot or two. Would not be a bad move. Get him. Yep. Get Travis Etienne on the Bills. That is a. But then again, I don't know where their financial shit's sitting either, and what the oh, they're like. in good shape. Okay, yeah, so. they uh, they're really well managed. 
they are really well matched. And don't forget, their quarterback's still on a rookie contract. Fair. Yeah. Totally yeah, they, doable. They should have everything they need if they have to move up a spot or two to get at the end. They should do it. And I think that I, would... I'm uh, not going to disagree with that at all. I think that's... If you're listening, Buffalo Bills uh, <laughs> management, that's my... That's my off-season task for you. Go and get I, Travis at the end. I, I, I co-sign that statement, sirs. <laughs> I think that that's a great player that could really open up Josh Allen's game. Um, we got anything left on the AFC Championship game? I don't think so. I think I think we about covered it. Mahomes killed it. Josh Allen's a great scrambler. He's got a good career against him. Mahomes is going to be what Mahomes is going to be, so it's it's going to be a curious uh, Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think that's it on the AFC. All right, so when it's all said and done, what we have is Super Bowl 55 will feature the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium. For the, the first, first team ever. Ever to do Ever. This. That's cool. And it's Tom Brady's first season there, and he got him there. Which is just just add it to the list of another Tom Brady fucking first. He just like, keeps doing more shit that people haven't done. Yeah, and it's like, and, and as much as we loved it in this first half when we talked about it, it's like it's really starting to piss me off. It's like, he's just he's, some dude should just not be that good. He's just not done doing shit that people haven't done. Yeah, god damn it. So the opening line is Kansas City minus three. And the over-under is 56.5. This is the highest, pardon me, the second highest over-under for a Super Bowl ever. You said what, 56.5? Yeah. Do you want to know which game had the highest Super Bowl over-under ever? I mean, you're going to fucking tell me, I hope. Yeah, but I want to see you guess. Oh, do you want to see me guess? Yeah. Uh... It's fun that way. I would, I, well, being, Guesses are tight. being that there's been 50-some Super Bowls and Tom Brady's been in 10 of them, I would assume that it was another Tom Brady Super Bowl? You're correct there. Okay. Can you guess which one? So, now I'm trying to think of all the time. Was it the first Tom Brady? No, but that one will come up again. Okay. So, it's not the Giants one, then? We're talking over-unders right now. Oh, Okay. Well, fuck it then. I don't. I, yeah, I don't have a dog in a fight. Patriots Falcons had an over under of fifty eight, which was the twenty seven deficit or whatever. the twenty eight to yeah. three game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it and the over hit on that game. It got to sixty two total. It was a thirty four to twenty eight final. I guess it was the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Now this is the only. This is only the second time in Tom Brady's ten Super Bowl appearances that he is the underdog. Obviously, the first one was the first one, right? Where he was a fourteen-point dog to the Rams, and uh, well, uh, they covered. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> they covered the spread. See, when I said the first one, I was thinking the first Giants Patriots Super Bowl. I thought that that would. I thought Eli and him would have had a stacked up amount. No, that, no, that's no, what no. my brain was thinking. Remember that both those defenses were really, 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 really good. Plus, yeah. uh. We also, this game is on CBS, which means we get Jim Nance and, and Tony my Robo! My boy! <laughs> Eastern Illinois University, baby. Keep it real. Yeah. Coming from the ILL. 
Stein, can you think of a Super Bowl you've been more excited for in recent years? As far as announcing goes, absolutely not. Like you, t- Tony got, Romo calls we got a game. Two of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time. Tony Romo telling us what we're seeing. Yeah. Like, this is Oh man, white white boy Damas. Like that fucking dude. This is why we love football. And I tell you what, man, like, okay, so and this is how it's gonna go down too, because Tom Brady wins another fucking ring and is undeniably one of, if not the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, statistically speaking. Uh, he's already the greatest quarterback. If he beats, if he wins this game, now he's passing Michael Jordan for the greatest team sports player ever. Damn, that's a bold word, son. But Michael Jordan never did it at forty-three. Oh, fair enough. I'll give and he that. never beat. Michael Jordan didn't have to play LeBron. All right, can we keep it? Tom apples? Brady's about to play Patrick right, Mahomes. Let's keep it apples and oranges. <laughs> this is, but it is. He's known no, for he's, all the hot dogs and all the hamburgers yeah, right now. We ain't even got corn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have some corn dogs, you should totally heat those up because I'd eat them. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, so when Tom Brady achieves this, that will make him. Easily the best. Now, if Patrick Mahomes wins this game, the torch has been passed. You gotta consider that the passing of the torch. You have sure. to, because now you got this young kid who's done everything he can. He's come back from an injury of a concussion, like Tom Brady came back from an ACL. I know they're different, but a head injury and a leg injury can be compared very, very closely. He'd also be the first quarterback to repeat since Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Yep. I, so, is, I mean, it's it's a torch-passing game. Like, whoever wins this is going to have, like, a high accolade. And even if Tom Brady loses, he can still say, ah, I'm still fucking Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes wins, he can be like, I'm motherfucking Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes has a like, lot more know. to lose than Tom Brady does. Uh, I agree on that. Absolutely. Mahomes has a lot more to lose. But I also think that all of us that talk about sports get way too hooked on legacy. Because guess what the guys on the field aren't thinking about? Mm. They're thinking about winning this game. Yeah. And you that's know, how you should like, be. And when you start thinking about how you're going to be remembered, that's when you're going to get in your own headspace. And that's not where you need to be. Tom Brady got where he is, and so did Patrick Mahomes, because they live in the moment. You've got to know how to live in the moment. Give me, give me the ball, I'll win the game. They yeah. both have that mentality. Yeah. And that's why I think this Super Bowl is going to be a really good Super Bowl. I'm yeah. so excited for this game. That and we have the weekend... Yeah. In the halftime show, so I, the weekend gave us what's been the theme song for 2020 in Blinding Lights. Yeah, which was a very 80s song, and oh, it was totally. wonderful. It totally helped me escape from it needed the, the nostalgia that it had. So I like I was apprehensive at first, but I'm like, you know what? I bet he can do a really killer halftime show. I'm excited, and I'm curious to see if he's gonna go the way that they did last year, and like, there's not a whole lot of like guest stars and shit. I'm or, betting that a lot. But I don't know if he's going to have a couple. Like, I, I'd like to see her show up with him. and like Out of COVID quarantine, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm just betting that there ain't a whole lot of guest stars. you got to look at what's doing, you know, everything else in, like, the But the I think the, the weekend yeah. can give us a good show, and I'm excited to see it. I think so. I think it can be done. That being said, that's how we feel about the Super Bowl. I think that it's going to be a great game. We're agreed that two righteous quarterbacks 
one fantastic announcer, and you know, and Jim I, Nance is a great play. No, play no Jim Nance, like I was just about to say, and not to take away from Jim Nance at all. Like Jim Nance is a great nuts and bolts. Like he's a good like core. And he just calls balls and strikes, and he reels in the little cocaine frat boy that is fucking Tony <laughs> Romo, who's just so excited about watching this football game. And it's a great combo, and I think the two of them are going to do a stellar job calling this game. I hope that we don't see a lot of replay. I want it to be a lot of straight-up football. But, you know, this is the new modern era of football, so who knows that. Amen. Um, Tiffany and I will be back on the show next week, and we will do a much bigger Super Bowl preview. But for now, that is our initial Super Bowl preview. We'll do picks next week. So moving into uh, the NBA part of the show, uh, this week marked one year since Kobe Bryant's tragic death alongside his daughter in the helicopter crash in Los Angeles. Um, still That's, yeah. really That's tough to too- talk about. It's I uh, never really liked Kobe while he played. and Unfortunately, you know, as like, but I the, respected him. The Bulls fan growing up that I, I was, and we grew up in that same era, and, like, Michael Jordan was everything. And then when you get somebody that comes along where other people are like, oh, he's better than Jordan, like, of course my knee-jerk reaction is like, nobody's fucking better than Jordan, you know? He wasn't. One, but it's... He it, wasn't. But that initial, but like, oh, well, he, he, he was younger than Jordan, and, like, and all that shit. So that, that really, I think, is what started my, like, base hatred for like oh i already gotta fucking hate this kid like and i don't even know him you know what i mean like yeah yeah like i haven't given him a shot to even let me watch him play all i know is that like the, all the hype is coming out now and and before i even gave kobe a fair shake i already had a predetermined like gotcha. fuck you, you, yeah. you know jordan mentality about myself which i immediately learned is not true but I do regret to this day because I really was a Kobe hater before Kobe even had a chance to prove me wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, that's just me being honest about the whole thing. And, like, with the anniversary of him passing, like, I've always, like, had that in the back of my head. Is like, I really never gave Kobe a fair start from the fucking beginning. You know, and that's always been something that kind of ate at me because he is such a great athlete and had such great morals. And the way that he trained and the way that he raises kids and like everything that he did as a human being. He was a off doting the court father. Was doting just, father. Yeah. And and for me, like I look back and I think like, man, I hated that fucking dude before I even knew him. Or even gave him a chance to show me who he was. And once that, I once I took a step back and realized who Kobe was, what I realized is what he is is he's the representation of what hard work can actually mean. Kobe was never the most talented player on the court. What he was was the hardest Hardest working Mm -hmm. and the guy that wanted it more than you did. You were the guy guarding him. He was going to embarrass you, not because he was better than you, but because he wanted it more than you. If he was the guy guarding you, same thing. He wanted it more than you. And he was going to get that goddamn ball. Yeah, and nobody... and, And when you go back, and that's the other thing, too... Like, not to stay on this Jordan thing, I'll get off of it in just a second. This is the last thing I'll say. It's like, if you go back, like, during quarantine when the whole, like, uh, story, Last Dance Dance came out, and it showed how Jordan was the one pushing people on the court. Jordan was the one pushing uh, players to, like, 
train harder, work harder, do harder. You Kobe back, did the same thing, but he, we Kobe. all vilified him for it. And I was, I'm guilty of it, too. Yeah. And you go back we and let look Jordan at Kobe. Do this. He did the same thing. He he was the guy that told Shaq, hey, man, you showed up out of shape. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe if you show up to fucking practice once in a while and, do, and actually do the work. Shaq showed up 20 pounds overweight and Kobe mm-hmm. got in his ass about it. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, how am I supposed to get this team to a championship if you're not going to show up in shape? And fucking Jordan did the same shit to his team. But we didn't look at that as the thing because it wasn't talked about. Kobe, it was talked about. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you're like, well, fucking Kobe Bryant's a real asshole. And you're like, no, Kobe Bryant is a hardworking motherfucker who wants a ring. That's like, that's all it is. Yeah. And he holds everybody that he plays with to the same standard that he holds himself so once Kobe's career finished, once he retired, he uh, he began into film and he won an Oscar. Yeah, Kobe Bryant is an Oscar winner. He's an Oscar winner. And then, so he had been flying in helicopters for most of the last 10 years of his NBA career because at his height and with LA traffic, it became really tough for him to manage his body while sitting in a car in rush hour traffic so he started flying in helicopters to it was basically an investment in keeping himself playing a little bit longer in any event that helicopter crash took him and his daughter on their way to her uh basketball Basketball game that he he, that he coached he coached her team and Man, there's just nothing more heartbreaking than thinking of the last moments of a man trying to console. Yeah, I'm a dad. Child, once they're once they know they're both gonna die. You're the godfather of my daughter. Can you imagine that? Like, like there's like there's there's no way around that. Like, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, but in a weird macabre way that my brain functions is like at least he died with somebody that he loved so much and if his daughter had to die at least she didn't do it alone she didn't do it alone you know and i know that's a weird fucked up way to look at things but sometimes when you deal with tragedy you have to deal with it in looking at the other side compartmentalize and find a way that it doesn't hurt as much yeah and like i find that like for me it's like Shit, if my daughter would have died on that helicopter without me on it, I would have wished I was on that helicopter. You know? Yeah. So I feel like, in a way, that spared Kobe a lot of pain, because if that would have fucking happened, like, what would have happened to Kobe Bryant, you know? And that's, like, a whole different avenue of a different dimension. But it's just a way to look at it. Like, they didn't die alone, they died together, and that is in one way to find solace, and it wasn't... It was a great tragedy, but at least it wasn't, like, a vain tragedy. You know what I mean? At least they... I agree completely. I, I, I mean, whenever we talk about something like this, I mean, we're grasping at straws to find silver linings. Yeah, because it's, there's nothing good about There's nothing... Any, and any, it's for Vanessa tragedy. Bryant, this is all bad. No, yeah, for her, that... Yeah, and... The way that she's been able... She lost to, like, her, her husband and her, daughter, and her daughter on the same day, and that is, once again, heartbreaking. It's almost inconsolable. But she's been able to power through this and find a, a channeling factor and 
all the charity work that she's done with this and used it and like really channeled the energy of what Kobe was is like he wouldn't want this to be a morning he'd want this to be a celebration and he'd want you to do something like don't don't not do anything because I'm gone do something yeah. because I'm gone and she's really been able to spearhead that and go out there and actually get it's, other charities moving to like, yeah it's not rest in peace it's rest in power mm-hmm. I will yes rest in power Kobe Bryant and thank you for all those years of entertainment, even though I was rooting against you. But what you represented was the power of hard work. I loved you when you played in the Olympics, though. <laughs> Goddamn right. Dude, who represented our country better USA, than Kobe baby. Bryant, yeah. dude? Like, I'm telling you. That motherfucker just yeah. took over an Olympic <laughs> dream team. Like, <laughs> And it's like, I didn't have to hate you because we were all on the same team. So right? it, was, it was beautiful. And that I will always remember. I Dude, you are not an American if I you are not always... rooting for our basketball yeah, exactly. team. Exactly. I am, I am an American team Kobe Bryant fan. And that's all I can say. <laughs> so, Kobe, thank you for everything. Rest in power. And Vanessa, all the, all the sorrows for your loss one year after. But proud on you, sister. Get out there and get it. All right. So, we've hit the part of the podcast where it's time to talk about motherfucking Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We are spoiling Roadhouse. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't know why you listen to this podcast, but please turn it off, listen to Roadhouse, and then continue listening. Well, I would I would watch Roadhouse and then listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely listen to or watch Roadhouse and then listen. But honestly, just listen, watch whatever order you, that works for you. No, that actually works for this my brothers because is... they're both blind, so they always say, "Oh, I'll give that movie a listen." So I mean, it actually does work in this. Yeah. See, non-discriminatory for the blind folk. Listen to Roadhouse, and then we'll tell you about it after. Love it, and I could say that. That's actually true. <laughs> Alright, for everybody who hasn't had a chance to turn off their podcast yet, Spoiling Roadhouse, here we go. Alright, so, Dalton. Dalton is... He's the best cooler in the business. And he's the most swaggerous, prettiest Patrick Swayze you'll ever see. Dude, Ghost and Dirty Dancing have nothing on Roadhouse Patrick no. Swayze. There would be there would be no Ghost and Dirty Dancing Roadhouse. And Point Break either. I will say, oh man, that is a close second. Brody is a hot piece of ass. <laughs> but he is a criminal. <laughs> but he is a criminal. And, in and this, this is one, an upstanding citizen. This is a fine, fine man who stands up for a small town besieged by a money-hungry landowner who is just a dick. The guy from the killing of a Chinese bookie just runs this whole town? What uh, the fuck? Solid. I didn't know we were referencing, but now I'm good. Oh, we're referencing. <laughs> Now you know. Now we know. So for those of you that don't know, or obviously you do know because you turned off the spoiler, the breakdown starts when Dalton is besieged upon for his specialties to come to the glorious town of Jasper (laughs) to uh, reinforce the law at the Double Deuce. Now, this is my personal favorite part of the movie 
aside from all of the badassery, is the fact that the Jeff Healy Band... Goddamn right. ...is the house band for the Double Deuce. Now, that leading back to what we said about watch and listen, if you don't know who fucking Jeff Healy is, he is a blind blues guitar player. From Canada. So he didn't even Who's watch... somehow playing in Missouri. So he didn't even watch Roadhouse. He listened to it. Never seen it. <laughs> Never seen it once. But he is the house band and is awesome as fuck. That is my favorite part of the whole movie is the soundtrack is by the Jeff Healy band. The soundtrack's unimpeachable. That is ins- that's my favorite thing it's about filled the movie. with awesome covers. It's a great soundtrack. Um, Los Lobos shows up in there too, but that's besides the point. Now back to the question at hand. Dalton. What does he do, per se? Aside from being a somewhat mystical cooler? What is... They never tell Dalton's backstory. Nope. You don't get anything from it. Yeah, this movie's not about exposition. No. He is the Joker of bouncers who just shows up to take care of shit. <laughs> like... Well they, well, they gave you all the exposition you needed to know in the very first scene when the owner of the Double Deuce comes to New York City to recruit him. And he says, I heard you're the best cooler in the business. And? That's it. Well, I mean, aside, what, aside from Were you looking for more? Aside from Wade Garrett. Which is then... Yeah, you said, but, says, yeah but Wade Garrett's getting a little old. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and Wade Garrett, quite possibly... The best Sam Elliott role ever fucking played. Second best. Say quite well, We gotta go with Star is Born first. Well, but It made you cry. I was sitting right, right next to you. Up, up to the time. Best oh, Sam at Elliott the time. Role. The yeah. very best. Best Sam Elliott. Like, yes, he has come back and done great shit. Like, A Star is Born. Like, he got an Oscar. He should have got fucking If Oscar Sam Elliott should have fucking gotten an Oscar, I agree. If Sam Elliott cries, it's okay for you to cry. Absolutely. That's man rule. That's man rule. That's like man rule number three. <laughs> Sam Elliott cries, you get to cry. That's and if you aren't crying, then you're not a man anymore. Yeah, then like, something's dude, wrong if Sam Elliott's you. crying, you're crying. Yeah, and if you don't, then you get knifed in the fucking chest. <laughs> By Wade Garrett. <laughs> See, this is easy. Yeah. So... <laughs> Alright, with that being said, it's it's the same laissez-faire. Like, that's what I loved about... It's it's a simple 90s... 80s. At, or, uh, yeah, 80s movie. Sorry. It's, it's, I always, like, lump all of them together because this is, what, 87 or 86? Uh, I think 86, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I always lump it together with that whole action genre of just, like, alright, we're going to take a dude, make him a star... And he's just going to kick ass, right? But the difference is, it's like Steven Seagal, uh, Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Chuck Norris. All those motherfuckers are martial artists. Like, they're all bad motherfuckers. Patrick Swayze's a dancer. And they make Patrick Swayze the baddest motherfucker in the room. Right? The only other comparison to that is if you watched The Protector or if you watched... Um, Oh shit! Oh, I'm, I'm, the Tony Jaa movies. If you're familiar with Tony Jaa, you think, "Oh, he's a badass martial artist from the Philippines." Tony Jaa is a classically trained ballerina. 
that's why he's a badass martial artist in the movie because it's all choreography. When you put choreography yeah, from the Raid movie, from, uh, no, not from the Raid. That's a different dude. Uh, Tony Jaa was in Expendables. He was in uh, yeah, Fast and Furious, right? Uh, he might have done a Fast and the Furious, but he everybody's been in Fast. And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it as a henchman of some sort. But uh, he was also in like the Xander Cage Return to Triple X. He was in, he was in oh, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Tony Jaa's been in tons of shit. Um, even some things that. Tony Jaa was just he wasn't in like Triple Threat like Triple Threat was like oh man Tony Jaa I love you but damn this movie is awful but it also had Jai Michael White in it which makes sense <laughs> but no like it's the same format just later on done because they took somebody who could choreograph a dance move and just make it look like he was kicking the shit out of everybody literally kicking and that wasn't even his most Road dangerous House. movie. Yeah, Roadhouse. You're going to be Roadhouse. <laughs> That's why Family Guy spoofed it. That's why everybody has always done a Roadhouse, some sort of parody in any time. And even in the sequence where the first double deuce where he shows up, asks for a fucking coffee, and then just watches the, ba- the brawl break out. And he just sits there all calm and cool. Next thing you know, glass goes flying. He just moves his head to the left all sly and shit. I want you to be nice. What? I want you to be nice. I'm being nice. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. What's that even mean? I will tell you. I will tell you. That is like a great fucking line. Like, right? Yeah. How will I know when it's time to not be nice? You won't. I'll tell, I'll tell you. you. Yeah. Like, that, I mean, that's that's one of the best. Like, like somebody comes This to movie you. is so quotable. It also has some of the most unquotable lines. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. Prison, yeah. <laughs> like that. Oh, man, not... what's one of uh, fucking... Uh, Big Bear fell on me. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's like, come on, this man. This is the most quotable and unquotable <laughs> movie. Big Bear fell on me. <laughs> and it also is one of the only movies I can remember from my childhood that actually has a Bigfoot scene. It does. Like, That's right. Who the fuck drives a monster truck through a car dealership, like, and gets away with it? Those are right? like two thousand, twenty thousand dollar fucking cars that you're just gonna destroy. Are, is there and not no an insurance gonna, company that's gonna that's just gonna like, sue the fuck out of you? Yeah, they're like, oh, we should really check out this guy. He's a <laughs> real dick. Like, come the fuck on, man. That's like that is the obscene shit about it that makes it so good. It's yeah, like, this movie doesn't really pass the smell test. Oh, no. It and that's what makes it such a great fucking movie. It absolutely works in the realm of just alternate fantasy. Suspend disbelief yeah. and enjoy just, two hours of just yeah, if you're ex- 80s testosterone. And, you know, a little bit of sexiness. Kelly Lynch looks mm-hmm. as good as she's ever looked. And she's looked really good in other things, but has she ever looked better than she looks in this? Nope. I will say no on that. And in the scene where she gets nude, what's playing? Some fucking Motown music. Well, because Motown... It's hot. It's what keeps the shit real. Now, I will say this, though. I like when... um, when Sam Elliott steps in, when Swayze, it's uh, like, no, nah, I'm not going to dance in the diner. Then pulling the all night bender, and he's like, dance with me, little lady. 
Like, yeah. that is what fucking makes Wade Garrett's character, like, yeah, I know she's going home with you, but I'm gonna fuck with your head just because I can. Like, right? like, that is what makes him so badass. That and the whole, I loved uh, when they wrote into it the whole car thing. Like, okay, I've got a really nice car, but I go get a shitty car because I know I'm gonna piss people I'm off. I'm gonna piss people they're gonna off. They're gonna put fucking stop signs through my windshield. <laughs> Which is another just like, I've been doing this a while. I know how this is right? going to go down. Dalton. I mean, I didn't even realize that, like, literally he's only credited as Dalton. <laughs> yeah, just Dalton. And then Kelly Lynch character is only credited as Doc. Like, they don't even give her an actual name. Unnecessary. Oh, my God. That's funny as hell. I like that's all things that I'm just realizing. <laughs> Remember though, Kelly Lynch's character has quite a backstory. She used to date Brad Wesley. Brad Wesley, yeah. And she's uh, the niece of the guy that owns the Red. Yeah, she's no, not Red's Red. Niece. Is she is she Red's niece or yeah? Yeah, Red. Yeah. That's that's all. The backstory we ever get for a character in this movie. Yeah, is that hey, this, they're fucking with my uncle. This yeah. film is not about exposition. No, there's no way. I love the fact of the matter too that he gets the one room that's available, and Jasper is the room that's right across the lake from Wesley's fucking manor. Right, like that's a that's unreal. Like that doesn't pretty happen. wild. Yeah, gonna be a great place for a throat rip. Yeah. Oh man, which. Elephant in the room, throat rips. Is it time to talk about throat rips? Have we gotten to that point yet? Because I, really, I think we're I, almost there. Can we say that I was disappointed that Brad Wesley didn't get a throat rip? Oh, I am too. So in this film, uh, in Dalton's first scene where he is truly a, taken over the double deuce addressing the it's, it's an all staff meeting we've all been to an all staff meeting an all staff meeting we love them yeah especially at food and <laughs> shout show. out you know what we're talking about yeah we love all staff meetings yeah so Dalton espouses three rules to the bar right after he fires the people that he wants to fucking get fires rid of. two people <laughs> before he espouses these yeah. rules which is how we know all all staff start it's like alright something bad is gonna happen that's the only reason we're all here, so that somebody doesn't freak the fuck out. Two public hangings <laughs> yeah. to begin the all staff. And then a simple statement of rules. First rule Never underestimate your opponent. Es expect the unexpected. Rule number two Never start anything inside. Take it outside. No fights start inside the bar. Rule number three. Be nice. What do you mean, be nice? A lot of these guys in here, they're, a lot of us can't take them one-on-one. -on -one. Well, just be nice. Because what he says is be nice. He's like, what they call you a cocksucker? Those are two words put together to elicit a response. What if somebody calls my mama a whore? Is she? I want you to be nice. If you if somebody is causing a problem, you escort them to the door. But you be nice. If you cannot walk them to the door, one of your fellows will help you. And you will both be, be 
be nice. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. But when would one know when it's not to be nice? You won't. I'll tell you. And that and is... And that is... Dalton! Oh, we did it. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. That's that's Dalton. I mean, we paraphrased because we didn't want fucking copyright infringement. And However, it's a long scene. Yeah. However, his soliloquy to go fuck yourself, I got this. I'm the cooler, you're the bouncers. The job is, I watch your back, you watch mine. That is one of the best, like, we're going to clean this fucking place up because we got too many drugs and too many, what do you say, um... Uh, too many power drinkers, too many uh, people trustees of modern chemistry. chemistry. <laughs> trustees of modern chemistry. Which, I'm sorry, in a film from 1989, that is like straight up saying, we got a fucking coke problem, y'all. Like, right? <laughs> hey, he fires the one waitress. He's like, we're selling booze here, not drugs. Yep. <laughs> then he takes the dude out who's like, you know, too aggressive, and then he fires the bartender who is stealing from the till. The way I look at it, you got a nice little business going here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> one, uh, you pocket four drafts for every one draft sold. <laughs> Which, everybody that works in food and bed, you have the opportunity to do this, but if you have the integrity not to, yeah. you can keep your job. It's still called stealing. It's stealing. So get that through your fucking heads when you're like, like oh, I'm going to give a drink away. That's stealing. It's Unless stealing. you pay for it. Yeah. yeah. It's totally cool to slide a customer a drink when you cash it out out of your tips. Which is a, totally acceptable. That's a business expense and you should be doing it anyways if you were a bartender. Because, because you know that what you get, that $3 beer that you bought them is going to get you a $15 tip back. You do the math on that, you're making 12 And if bucks. it won't, then don't fucking buy them yeah. goddamn thing. But do not steal from the house. Never steal from the house. Because guess where you lined up? Because Dalton will come out from under your fucking bed and fire your ass in life. He is getting you. And have integrity. If you didn't know, Patrick Swayze is a ghost Is there one now. thing that Dalton would say before <laughs> anything? But have integrity. You know? Like, shit. Well, I am saying Patrick Swayze is a ghost and that does terrify me. Because if I do something wrong, I do not want Patrick right? Tracy's ghost to come back. Next and time like, you're making pottery. Teach me a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're making some pottery, there's Patrick Swayze's hands all over yours. Yeah, just stay away from clay class if you're stealing out the till. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Don't be stealing out the till. Period. Oh, uh, we'll give you that. We got a little off base on that one, but... <laughs> back to Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze also does have a sweet ass naked scene not to be totally destroyed by Dennis Franz's ass scene in NYPD Blue. Up until then, that was the famous ass scene. I think then, Patrick Swayze's butt had second billing in this movie. Well, I'm just saying, like, after seeing Patrick Swayze's ass in Roadhouse and then seeing Dennis Franz's ass in goddamn fucking NYPD Blue, you're like, I don't want another dude ass scene ever in my game. Like, nope. I mean, Kelly Lynch's boobs had second billing to me. That's why That's why it came after the Swayze ass. Like, do you know Swayze ass first in Roadhouse, titties second. They were like, we're going to wash that Swayze ass out of your mouth with some titties because we know you're still thinking about it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, we're having fun. That's the idea. Roadhouse is a fun movie. 
And you all know what I'm saying. And if you don't, and you think we're full of shit, go back and rewatch it. You'll be like, God damn it, you were right. You could be like Ben Gazzaro just driving down the road going, shit up, Yeah, just no reckless abandon whatsoever. Yeah, give a fuck about anybody else on the road. Oh, God. Brad Wesley is such a quintessential fucking dickbag character. Which is great, and it was played great because you love to fucking oh, hate Gazzaro him. Oh, Ben was perfect casting. You love to fucking hate him. Oh, he's a douche. Just He's a cocksucker. They and got they, it right. Yeah, they did a great job. Brad there's, Wesley is Ben Gazzaro, and Ben Gazzaro yeah. is Brad Wesley. Yeah, there's very few like actor characters that you can tie together and go, that was perfect. This is the Brad Wesley character is one of those characters. He's right there with, like, Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. Yeah. Perfect just, character. Mm-hmm. You couldn't possibly, once you've seen this film, you couldn't see the villain being played by another person. Kevin Spacey in A Time to Kill. Like, you want to hate that prosecuting fucking lawyer. Yeah. You just fucking hate him. Well played. You know? I mean, there's certain yeah. certain people that you're just like, man, when they come away, and it's like, God, if I see him in real life, I fucking hate that dude. But it's like, he was playing a role. Gary Oldman's played plenty of those roles where you're like, fuck, I would hate Gary so Oldman. Many. Uh, I hate Gary Oldman. Can you think of anybody else that could dial it up to 11 and lay on? No. Like Gary Oldman did? Not at all. <laughs> and I, I know we're, we're jumping What do you mean when you say to bring everybody? I mean everybody! <laughs> yeah. And like I said, we're and jumping on And how much cocaine here. did Gary Oldman do? I doubt any. That dude's just talented. <laughs> I'm betting some. Oh, man. And you gotta... Okay, so now we gotta address the henchmen. We've talked about it. It's to that point. This is the weak part. The weak part of the film. This is where we gotta bring up... Just... God damn it, dude. Is this the guy that's gonna take on Dalton? Really? None of them seem worthy, right? This is the casting that you went with. Like his little jade necklace and fucking denim button up. Like that's the dude. Shit, even at the pool party when you have the little fucking like red Adidas shorts on. It's like, come on, man. This is the guy that's supposed yeah, to tear Mr. I right used to fuck guys like you in prison. Mm-hmm. And that's your, that's your fucking henchman line. It's not like I'm going to eat your fucking heart. Like it's. I used to yeah. fuck guys like you. Like, That's all right, the right kind there. of thing you say if you want to get your throat ripped right out of your neck. And that is exactly why Dalton comes back, which is the only part of his backstory that we know is that he ripped somebody's throat out and that's why he disappeared into the ether. And then he does it again right at the shore. Bam! He didn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice. Hey, man, they brought the war to him. And then, he did have a choice, but he decides to go murder everybody in Wesley's fucking camp. <laughs> yes, he did. Which is the ultimate, like, holy shit. But we all know why that happened. It went from me trying to just fix up the double deuce to you murdering Wayne Garrett. And when Wayne Garrett gets fucking murdered, it goes from being a normal action clean up the town to a revenge film. 
right there. Yep. And as soon as, like, he's like, I was willing to go around every way, like, with the alcohol shit and everything you were trying to do to shut our business down, going about it, act like me, like, I'm not going to be like, but when you murdered my boy, it instantly, right there, fucking revenge movie. And then the last fucking 30 minutes of that movie. Do you think if... If it was you and I and the same thing, if somebody fucking murdered me, what would you do? I'd go rip a fucking throat. you fucking kill everybody. <laughs> and somebody's getting their throat ripped out. For good measure, just to show that you fucking meant it. Because it is one of the... And vice versa. It is one of the most ridiculous, yet awesomely cinematic moves to do. So if you just show somebody, reach up and rip <sighs> somebody's fucking throat out. Now, there's only two other ones that I know of. One that is epic. One that is subtle. And that was when Jason Momoa of Draga and fucking Game of Thrones rips fucking dude's throat out. And you're like, all right, well, you should do that. He's savage. The one that is most important is the homage to Roadhouse. Ba-ba-ba-ma-gruber. When... Where we get not one, but three... He goes for the turkey. He goes for the turkey. And Three like, throat rips. And there's multiple references leading up to that, too. There's two things I'm good at. And that's solving crimes and ripping throats. I think he <laughs> says sucking dicks. Sucking dicks and <laughs> fucking <laughs> butts and ripping throats. And then corrects yeah, himself. Like, I mean, ripping I mean, throats. And ripping throats. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, you rip a throat. And then when the scene actually comes in the movie and they're taking everybody out and he's just... Everywhere. And it's so graphically gore. If you haven't seen MacGruber, it's it's one of It's stupid and wonderful. If you're even listening to us talk about Roadhouse, then you'd like MacGruber. Yeah, it's one of the lesser watched SNL spin-off movies. And Will Forte, it's his mock character of MacGyver, who is MacGruber. But it's got so many different like references to 80s, 90s action films that is fucking fantastic. And there's a scene where he's already ripped two dudes' fucking throats out. And Ryan Felipe, if you're all familiar with him, Cruel Intentions, Reese's X, all that bullshit, uh, he's the special agent. And he's like, man, I really wanted that turkey. He's like, you go get that third throat. And he goes out there in the hallway and just fucking blatantly rips his ass fucking throat out. And blood just splatters all over the wall. It's just ridiculous. It's but, hilarious. But it is the best homage to Roadhouse, aside from the Family Guy Roadhouse episode, that I can think of that blatantly just references fucking Roadhouse. It's Where like, Peter just kicks the steering wheel to make every turn. Roadhouse. 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 <laughs> And that's one of those things, like, and that's and that's how you know. Peter, that, we're gonna need you to stop kicking things. <laughs> but that's when you know that Roadhouse is an iconic film. It is a referenceable movie. It is a film that all of us in our mid to late thirties will just hold in cherishment because it's a movie that you got to see titties in, you got to see throat rips in. You got to see bar fights in. You got to listen to Jeff Healy. You, like, it was a culmination of, like, You got all anything. these quotable lines. Like, yeah. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Like, dude, where do you get 
all of this. And it's everything that you wanted in 90 fucking minutes that was just like, this is bad fucking ass. It's like, is this the best movie we've ever seen? Absolutely uh, not. Probably not. No, absolutely not. But is it a movie I've watched again and, and again, again and, and again, again and again? And you know You're that any right time that is. Roadhouse comes on TNT and you don't have shit to do in the afternoon, you you're are watching. sitting down for the three extra hours of commercials and watching Roadhouse, right? even though you've seen it 10,000 fucking times. Dude, you know if the scene is coming up where he's about to fire two bouncers, a bartender, and a waitress, and then tell everybody what's up, you are in for the rest yeah. of the movie. You, like, know, you are just not going to walk away. You know if the scene is coming up where they start shit in the back of the bar where they're fucking with the alcohol on him. Right? And, and fucking and Wade, Sam Elliott comes Wade riding goes, in on a white horse. And says, man could be as big as a mountain. You hit him in the knee, he'll drop like a stone. God damn it! Like, you're you're in. You're in. You're you are watch, never walking away. You're watching the rest of that fucking movie. Like, that's... that, And that is the thing. That falls into that lethal weapon category. That falls into that diehard category. That yeah. falls into that under siege category. If that movie is on basic fucking cable, you will sit there for an extra hour watching commercials yep. to watch the movie that I'm sure, if you're like me, could easily go and pull out of your DVD collection and put on your DVD player and watch that movie. But you're like, I'm already dialed in, so I'm not changing the fucking channel. That's what Roadhouse has the power to do. Goddamn right. Goddamn right. I'm just saying, his stupid ass shark tooth necklace. All right, we got <laughs> anything else on Roadhouse tonight? I think we're good. I think we covered this. Everybody, I, thank I, you for joining us. I think that was a pretty good final rant. I'll walk out on that one. It was great to be a guest star. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, yeah. Stein. Oh, my really pleasure. I appreciate uh, I don't think any of my listeners would have really loved hearing me talk to myself for <laughs> two hours. Hey, man, uh, you know, I, I hope Tiffany feels better and I hope she gets well. And, you know, I mean, her demise is my uh, satisfaction. So, hey, worked out for me. <laughs> so, next week, join us for most likely Tiffany and I back doing the normal pod for uh, Super Bowl preview. We'll. Go into some of the NBA stuff that we didn't do tonight. And we'll be talking about the absolute horror sci-fi classic Alien. I kind of wish excited. I kind of wish I would be there for that one. But, you know, I can't do this all the time. So, But it is fantastic fucking film. I love Ridley Scott. Always have. If you have not seen that movie and you're listening to this podcast, please take the week to watch it because it is fantastic. HBO Max, TCM Hope. Thank you for joining us. This has been I'm Speaking.